0: Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts.
1: You know, I, I think after all this time... Good afternoon, by the way, and welcome to the program. I think after all this time, I've kind of figured out the, the MO here, the modus operandi, as they say. I think all that business about the longest-running... It's just, it's just a way of getting around... The fact that, well, what are they trying to say? He's an old guy. (laughs) But we're all getting older, aren't we? And it's a delight to grow older with you and uh, to welcome you into this uh, Tuesday edition of Lifeline for the second day of August. My, how time flies when you're having fun. Hard to believe it's uh, a couple of weeks away or so from getting back into the swing of things for some school districts. And uh, school will be back in. Parents will be going (laughs) back on vacation, right? By the way, speaking of um, schools back in, uh, you may be wrestling in your family in relationship to the children going back to school, you have them in public schools. You're not too pleased with the performance or what you're hearing going on within the uh, government education arena these days, and you've got some concerns. Well, if you do, uh, let me encourage you, exploring opportunities related to Private or parochial education um, never been easier than before. In fact, with the KFAX Back to School program, you might be surprised to find out just how affordable (laughs) placing your son or daughter in private education might be. So we invite you to uh, check it out. You can go to the KFAX website at kfax.com and click on the Back to School banner at the top of our homepage to get more information. Information. Speaking of um, public schools, <laughs> this kind of underscores one of the reasons why you might be considering putting your child in a public, uh, in private education rather, and that is um, the word today that nearly half of the states have filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Say, what's that got to do with education, Greg? Wait, wait for it. Um, Against the U.S. Department of Agriculture for threatening to withhold funds from the National School Lunch Program, a program that benefits millions of students. In fact, 29.6 million children every day benefit from the National School Lunch Program. So why in the world would you try to politicize all of this? Well, they figured out a way related to uh, Title IX funding. And let's get some more details now as we pull back the curtain on this topic. Joining me is the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, constitutional lawyer, Brad Dakis, Always, Counselor, a delight and a privilege to have you with us. So, you know, here they go yet once again trying to essentially use this, it sounds to me, like a big club in promoting an agenda that has absolutely nothing to do with the school lunch program, in and of itself, at face value, tell us what's going on.
2: Yeah, the USDA and U.S. Drug Administration, uh, under the uh, President Biden, has uh, decided to uh, to put this mandate on uh, all the states in order for their in their, their public schools to get uh, this funding for the national school lunch, lunch program uh, to help you know low-income kids to get you know to get their lunch that they've been relying upon. And uh, as well as uh, the uh, SNAP program, uh, you know, to help uh, with, with uh, funding and for as far as people who are uh, in, in need of, of, of food, um, they're saying, "Okay, states, in order to do that, you have to adopt the uh, pro-LGBTQ uh, policies that we're requiring and mandating uh, pursuant to uh, the definition of sex under Title IX." Now, the, the Supreme Court once. Ruled on this a similar issue it was very narrow, five to four. Uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch, uh, you know, went to the other side to the shock of many. Uh, but it was it was much narrow. It was dealing with employment, uh, employment discrimination, um, and uh, so this it's it's in the Supreme Court has since changed. We now have Kavanaugh. We also have Amy Coney Barrett on the court. Um, so I don't think the court's going to, to uh, broaden or allow. To broaden that definition under Title IX. Uh, In addition, uh, this unilateral action without the the authority of Congress violates the Administrative Procedures Act. Procedure Act, and um, that was mentioned in this lawsuit by the Attorney General of Tennessee. uh, And as well as what would happen, which is effectively, uh, these states would have to require all their public schools to allow uh, boys who are have gender confusion to go into girls' locker rooms and showers and. Uh, compete on their athletic programs uh, for teachers and others to use uh, pronouns that are uh, totally opposite of what the the is proper for the child's true uh, biology, even if it violates the faith of the teachers and conscience. So this is very outrageous. That's why 22 state attorney generals have weighed in on on this lawsuit uh, to oppose this uh, horrific action by the USDA.
1: And, you know, I just have to wonder at what point Will the federal government, or states like California for that matter, get the message that by an overwhelming percentage, taxpayers and parents do not want their children part or or acting as subjects in a social experiment? If they are dealing with issues related to gender dysphoria, get them counseling, give them an opportunity to work through these questions, at the very least get them to the age of majority where, as an 18-year-old adult, they can make decisions on their own. But to treat our kids like they're some part of a petri dish experiment in, uh, in um, social engineering is just frightening. And the fact that it continues to be pushed, uh, almost indicative, I think, counselor, of the notion that this is a, a solution in search of a problem. Or, or am I all wet on that?
2: Yeah, it's uh, actually, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's it's in search of a problem. Right now we have 1.6 million transgender individuals in America. Roughly half are, are youth. Um, and it, it is exploding in the junior highs, the high schools, even the elementary school levels. Um, and, uh, and it's very dangerous. People need to understand that children who go down this path and are affirmed and encouraged on this path of confusion, uh, if not corrected and not given the proper counseling, and allowed to uh, to reconcile, left alone, over seventy percent will reconcile by the time they reach adolescence. That uh, they're encouraged. The average will not live to see their thirtieth birthday. Statistically, it's it's more fatal than than for for a child statistically than the average child getting cancer. So it's very dangerous. It's exploding across America. The USDA is only fanning the flames of this very deadly um, campaign, and uh, by the radical LGBTQ movement, it's. It's very sad, and people need to understand one other point, which is very important to note, particularly in California. Um, these policies are already adopted, already being implemented in the state of California, uh, in public schools up and down the state. Uh, so parents need to understand, who are listening to this in the state of California, it's already here, it's already impacting your children, and is waiting for them this coming fall.
1: Give me your sense in terms of this particular lawsuit. Uh, 2021 attorneys general have filed lawsuit against the Department of Agriculture related to uh, essentially being forced to either play by their, quote unquote, rules or run the risk of this is what I, I really get. The The argument is we're doing this to help the children. And, of course, the the wow. fulcrum that will be used in order to push this agenda is one that ultimately will harm children if the federal government doesn't get its way in this agenda. I mean, it, it, talk about mixed metaphors and double-minded men being unstable in all their ways.
2: Yeah, it's it's really sad because the people who are going to suffer is not politicians or bureaucrats in state capitals. It's going to be the children uh, needing lunch, needing food uh, on a daily basis that they're relying upon and depending upon. Um, so they're the, the real victims, and as far as my prediction, I will tell you, I believe, uh, that the USDA, the Biden administration, that they're going to lose, uh, because it's violating the Administrative Procedures Act. They're doing an end run around Congress. The Supreme Court just recently ruled that bureaucrats can't do end runs around Congress, very clearly, in the EPA case that came down. Uh, in addition, uh, they're going to narrow the definition of the, expanding the words, the definition of sex under Title Nine. Uh, I, we, the votes are clearly there, uh, and I'm just looking forward to uh, our Pacific Justice too, and in any role that we're going to be playing uh, throughout this process to encourage uh, the reversal of his
1: policy as well. Well, we appreciate you not only remaining on the front lines, but also keeping our listeners here in uh, northern California apprised of what's going on in this particular scenario. There's Brad Dacus. He's a constitutional lawyer and the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. More information available on this subject and others by going to pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. That issue kind of encapsulates a growing sense of frustration that parents have, not just in California, but across the country. Uh, as I suggested earlier, treating children as if they're some, you know, part of a lab experiments, they're lab animals uh, to, to, to be experimented upon in, in exercises in, uh, in um, social manipulation. Children deal with enough issues, related to identity and the challenges of growing up and the mixed messages that they get between what they're taught at home, what they see uh, on television and entertainment and the movies, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and then, of course, peer pressure and the kind of pressure that's being brought to bear, even as they simply go to school and try to learn uh, the basic three R's to equip them with the skills that they need to become contributing healthy members of society someday as adults. And instead of being sensitive to such matters, no, instead we want to try and and manipulate children. And in this case, if the federal government doesn't get its way, punish children. Not The schools won't be punished. It will be the children that will be punished. Now, if you look at a case like this and think, Craig, this is just gone too far. And you have been toying with the notion of sending your son or daughter to a private school and... Maybe as much as you've made the decision in your heart, your wallet is still struggling with the decision. Well, I've got some good news. Um, Once again, we are providing an opportunity for parents of first-time students attending private or parochial schools in the San Francisco Bay Area that participate in the KFAX back-to-school program to get the first year of tuition at 50% off. You say, wow, what a deal that is. Where do I go to get more information? Glad you asked. We invite you to check out KFAX.com, and there at our homepage right there at the top, you'll find the Back to School banner. Click on that. You'll get details about how the program works how you can participate, what schools are participating, and if a school near you is not participating, but you've got interest in sending your son or daughter to that particular school, well, get in touch with us. We'll get in touch with them and see if we can't work all the details out for you. Again, more information available at kfax.com. Click on the Back to School banner at the top of our homepage. All right, let's turn a corner, shall we? Because if I stay with that much longer, the Italian blood is really going to get to boiling in here. So with that, we'll take a brief time out. It's the Tuesday edition of Lifeline. When we come back, which state is the freest? You're going to find out as Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All
1: right, welcome back to the conversation 22 minutes after the hour of 5 o'clock here on this Tuesday edition of Lifeline. And if the previous segment wasn't uh, sufficient enough to uh, boil your blood, I don't know what will, but it is demonstrative in the broader scheme of things as to just how rapidly and significantly many of our rights, in that example, parental rights, are being eroded day by day across the country. And it's interesting to note when you think about the role that America historically has played in the broader sense of of preserving freedoms and creating an environment that allows us to enjoy liberty and freedom and all the benefits thereof. Um, Ironically, some states do much better than others. And on a global scale, wow, this will put you back on your heels. Do you know that globally, if we talk about freedom as it relates to things such as property ownership association religion the press occupational freedom economic freedom all of these um sort of yardsticks that go into the broader question of of degrees of freedom enjoyed from one country to another that even though we oftentimes as a country pride ourselves on the freedoms that we provide and protect The reality is, globally, we're not doing so well these days. In fact, globally, the United States, out of 160-something countries, ranks 15th behind Switzerland, New Zealand, Denmark, Ireland, Finland, even the United Kingdom ranks ahead of the United States, albeit not by much. So we thought, wouldn't it be fun to dive a little bit deeper into this topic today and gain a better understanding as to what our freedoms look like in the 50 states. To be sure, I bet you can guess which states tend to have fewer freedoms. But whether or not you can guess which state has the greatest freedoms, well, we'll leave that to our discussion today as we're joined by attorney, CPA, constitutional historian, author, and talk show host Bob Zadek. Bob hosts the Bob's 8 show, heard locally here in the San Francisco Bay region every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m. The Answer. And Bob, as always, a delight and a privilege to have you with us.
3: Thank you for inviting me to join you again, Craig. It's always my pleasure.
1: This is a fascinating topic because, you know, as as I think many Americans know, we, we've been engaged in the broader dialogue concerning freedom or threats thereto across the country in recent years. And um, our friends over at the Cato Institute have actually taken the time to do the homework. And you have used a number of key yardsticks to essentially come up with a freedom ranking of which states tend to provide and protect the greatest freedoms and the ones in which freedom and liberty seems to be the most at risk. And I suppose we shouldn't be surprised, living here in California, that of those states where freedom seems to be the most on the so-called endangered species list includes states like California.
3: Well, you're exactly right, California and New York rank at the very bottom. Uh, and, Craig, it's a wonderful topic, and there are things about the topic of freedom, or liberty, if you will, that when one thinks about it, there are some amazing conclusions. I'd like to just set the topic up by suggesting to our audience that when they pick a candidate, public office to represent them, state or local, wherever, and they decide uh, which candidate takes a position on people that the voter favors the most. Have you ever even heard, Craig, this is clearly a rhetorical question, but you're invited to answer, have you ever heard one candidate... Or two candidates argue that they want your vote because they will take the position when elected to public office to vote always for freedom. Where freedom is a plank on their campaign. Freedom is something that as a standalone issue It's important to say, I will fight harder for freedom than my opponent. Have you ever wondered why nobody even takes that position when running for office? Let's remember that our revolution, the country was formed because people, the citizens, wanted freedom. They wanted liberty. And they changed the entire form of government to get rid of a government that didn't offer them more liberty, or enough liberty. And they voted for a new form of government, sight unseen, simply because the new government offered the promise of more liberty. People changed everything for freedom. And Americans don't even think it's worthy as a campaign slogan, let alone as a policy matter. Doesn't that make you worry about how votes are cast and what we Americans value?
1: Beyond that, it should panic every single one listening to our conversation tonight, because this encapsulates, encapsulates the the very core fundamentals of not only who we are as a nation, of the sacrifices that our founding fathers and others before us made in order to, to purchase those freedoms. And I say that word purchase intentionally so, because freedom is seldom free. It's something that always, with very few exceptions, has to be fought for to obtain and fought for to maintain. And sadly, I think this is almost, Bob, sort of the proverbial frog in the kettle scenario, wherein there has been such a slow, steady, consistent erosion of freedom at so many levels in so many ways, from the top to the bottom of the even the hierarchy of freedom, so to speak. That I think it's it's not mentioned as a campaign platform or a plank in the platform because for many Americans I think we're we're almost um, we're, we're we're almost blinded to the reality of just how much our freedoms are on that endangered species list as I referred to a moment ago. And you know you're exactly right, Craig.
3: And and to further um, tickle the. Uh, the brains of our audience and really invite them down an intellectual path that perhaps they haven't thought about when we when was the last time you in anybody's memory and I'm going to answer my own question when a legislature took a vote and passed legislation that increased our freedom. You can't remember. Now, but what's interesting As I'm going to make a two-part comment. Number one, never in my memory has any state or local legislature given me more freedom. But interestingly enough, that we have gotten, Craig, even in the past year, More, our freedom has been increased by what? By the Supreme Court. Isn't that interesting that it seems to be that our freedoms are routinely taken away from us by the legislature and returned to us by the courts, an unelected branch of government. How weird is that? We elect people I would think, to keep us free, not to take away our freedom, and thank you. This is not, I'm not making a comment uh, at all about the Supreme Court or courts in general. This is not courts are good, legislatures are bad. It's a commentary that when voters vote, they don't elect people who value our freedom. Thank heaven for the unelected branch protecting our freedom, because without them, we'd have none. In the fa- and issues that your audience cares about, in the very last section session of the of the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court reversed a main statute that prohibited, until the court reversed it, government money being given to parents to send their kids to a religious school, under school choice. Maine prohibited it, took away the freedom, Supreme Court gave it to them. Uh, in other cases, involving abortion, the, the Supreme Court gave citizens the choice, which they didn't otherwise have, Uh, Because it was taken away from them by legislatures. So on and on and on, the, the, the courts are the last bastions when I would like to think my spokesperson, my representative, is sent to the legislature to protect my freedoms not to take them
1: away. Well, and I think even more troubling on on the broader scale of this, Bob, I mean, at least when we speak of the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, they have to be nominated, they need to be confirmed by people that have been elected, so there is a degree to which you and I, as involved citizens, play a part in that. To the heart of the recent SCOTUS decision relating to the EPA, here is a scenario where unelected bureaucrats that are answerable to no one, crafted rules and regulations, law essentially, related to the way, for example, the fossil fuel and the, the energy sector operates, putting grave restrictions on them, essentially creating laws with no accountability back to the people as we have in the United States Congress, And this is where the high court stepped in and said, wait a minute, you you are essentially acting as an unelected representative branch of government, excuse us, that would be the outfit called the United States Congress. And they struck down the ability of the EPA to be able to act in such a fashion. And I think the reverberation of that decision, of course, can make its way through the entire alphabet soup of organizations and bureaucrats back in Washington, D.C. But it's demonstrative of the notion that when we as Americans think of sort of the hierarchy of freedoms, we think of freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of association, speech, things of that sort. But there are so many other freedoms that can easily be curtailed, that can easily disappear altogether, absent the ability of making sure that there is this system of checks and balances in place. Now, what does that look like in a state like California? We're going to talk about that as our discussion continues. Bob Zadek is with us today. We're taking a look at the question, what is the least free and the freest state in the union? What sets those states apart? And most importantly, why should it matter to you and me? Bob Zadek, our guest today. I'm Craig Roberts, a brief timeout back with more as Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And we
1: dive back into the conversation. Bob Zadek with us today. Bob is an attorney, a CPA, constitutional historian, best-selling author, and syndicated talk show host. His program, The Bob Zadek Show, runs locally here in the San Francisco Bay region, Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock on 860 AM, The Answer. We invite you to check him out both on air and online. His website at bobzadek.com. That's b o b z a d e k. Dot com we 're talking about freedoms and liberty, and um, a new study that 's been released by our friends at the Cato Institute that takes a look at the broad swath of states that enjoy relatively great degree of freedom and liberty, and others like california where not so now bob i 'm curious in sort of the, the the hierarchical scale of freedoms and liberties there are some that I think most Americans almost knee jerk think of things like freedom of association, religion, the press, freedom of speech, freedom to choose your own career, all things that we embrace and appreciate as Americans. but when it gets to the notion of the erosion of many freedoms i 'm wondering how much of this is sort of that, as I referred to earlier, proverbial frog in the kettle effect, where things like well, for example there are increasing numbers of communities that are trying to deal with crime by saying we're going to put in more CCTV. We want to be able to see what's going on out on the streets. We want to install automated license plate readers so we know if a criminal comes into town, if a vehicle that's been reported as stolen, passes through our community, that the police automatically have access to that information, which from a security and personal safety standpoint sounds quite appealing. Then when you realize that, that all also means the police have the ability to track your movements and such information could be used for less than honorable purposes. Then all of a sudden that level of safety and security doesn't quite sound as appealing. And yet many people either don't think it all the way through or somehow are willing to sort of negotiate away some of their freedoms for an increased sense of personal safety.
3: Of course, you're kind of paraphrasing uh, that wonderful quote that I know you, I've heard you recite, uh, that uh, quote from Benjamin Franklin, that I'm pretty close to being exact. Those who would sacrifice um, a little freedom for short-term security deserve neither freedom nor security.
1: Indeed so. In
3: other words, it's very tempting uh, uh, you picked crime, and that was an astute choice to talk about, because it's very personal. People are, are concerned about crime adversely affecting their person or their property. And also, people naturally, and this is statistically true, if you were to poll people and ask them about crime statistics, in their environment, almost everybody has an, will unintentionally exaggerate, extremely exaggerate how much crime there is compared to what the truth really is. People imagine crime to be an infinitely greater problem than it really is but once people reach that irrational incorrect conclusion they are frightened and when you are frightened frightened you seek safety and safety means more police more laws more intrusions more violations of your right to privacy a more compromise of fourth amendment freedom from I- from unreasonable searches and seizures, and the like. And so people, A, reach an irrational conclusion, and then act upon it in sacrificing freedom for safety, which they don't need to begin with, because things are nowhere near as bad as they imagine. That's exacerbated by the, uh, the observation that... Uh, Mainstream media, maybe all media, will exaggerate and will always start with stories of violence. You've heard the phrase we all have, if it bleeds, it leads, because it gets people's attention, and you want their attention when you're selling stuff in the media. So the media encourages and contributes to the exaggerated fear people have, which then manifests itself in bad policy decisions and voting for the wrong candidates for the wrong reasons. So, for, so crime and fear, which goes with the cr- perceived crime, is um, a, a major contributor to this loss of freedom. And you asked before the break which states are the most and which states are the least free. Well, in Cato's book called Freedom in the 50 States, which is available from Cato at CATO.org, it's available from Cato. It's a wonderful read. It's fascinating. It not only has one ranking, it has dozens of rankings on all sorts of reasons. But just because the audience is dying to know, New Hampshire, uh, the top... Five states in the country on an overall Freedom Index. New Hampshire always seems to lead, live free or die. Number two is Florida. Number three is Nevada. Uh, number four, Tennessee. Uh, and number five, South Dakota. And the five worst, Craig, because your audience is dying to know that as well, the last five is um, Oregon. We know about Oregon. New Jersey. California. Hawaii, and always in last place, New York. New York has been 50th in overall freedom since the first time this calculation was made. It has never given up the spot of being dead last, so special kudos to New York for managing to be a gulag dressed up as a
1: state. And the absolute uh, utter irony is the fact that I would imagine most listeners probably would have guessed New York and maybe California neck and neck for being the least free. And as you say, kudos to our friends in New Hampshire, whose state slogan happens to be live free or die, that they are clearly living up to the state slogan uh, with uh, with no disappointment. Bob Zadek is with us tonight. We're talking about this Freedom Index. And when we come back, let's drill down a little bit deeper into ways in which our freedoms are subtly being withdrawn from us. And whether Perfect. or not we need more involvement from, in the example of the EPA and SCOTUS, more involvement from the high courts to come in and essentially trim the wings of lawmakers who run on campaigns to provide safety and security and, uh, you know, candy lollipop for every kid, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but in that process are, in fact, laying to waste our historical freedoms and essentially pointing a fire hose at the foundation of liberty in America today. Bob Zadek, my guest. I'm Craig Roberts. A brief time out back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All right, just about 9 away from the hour of 6 o'clock here on the Tuesday edition of Lifeline. Syndicated talk show host, best-selling author Bob Zadek is with us tonight, host of The Bob Zadek Show. We invite you to check him out. You can catch his program on air Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m. The Answer, a great and engaging alternative to a lot of the talking head shows that just seem to go on and on and never say anything. Bob really gets into the meat of the story, and he has conversations with newsmakers and policy shapers to help you better understand exactly what's going on in the world around you and why it matters. The Bob Zadek Show, Sunday mornings, 8 o'clock, 860 a.m. The Answer, information online about Bob's books, podcasts, and other resources and materials at his website, bobzadek.com. That's B O B Z A D E K. Com. We're talking about freedom in America today, and most notably a, um, a recent report released by the Cato Institute. It's been publishing these annual rankings for several years now, and uh, once again, it's probably no surprise to most Californians. California ranks one of the least free states in the Union. And uh, kudos again to uh, our friends back in the live free or die state of New Hampshire that uh, has once again topped the list as one of the freest states in the union. And a lot of this, Bob, goes back to, as we said, um, issues where we're willing to sort of allow our freedoms to be negotiated away because we think we're going to get something for it, whether it be money or security, whatever the case might be. Our founding fathers certainly understood that... uh, Freedom is critical. Freedom is something that we have to not only be willing to uh, to embrace, but also be willing to uh, take a stand for, because if we don't, uh, we can see it eroded quite quickly. And uh, undoubtedly so. I would suspect if any number of our founding fathers could be um, uh, suddenly reincarnated today to take a look at what's going on in the United States. I would suspect that there's very little about us in the arena of freedom and liberty that most of our founding fathers would even recognize.
3: Probably the case, Craig. And before, the, before we went to our last break, you, said, um, you suggested to our audience uh, that we ought to drill down a notch and really understand what we mean by loss of freedom and how governments take it away, what it looks like. Uh, and it's, we'll, we can start with a biggie, an easy one, we don't have to spend much time on it, which is taxation. California, of course, is a very high tax state. Now, taxation, of course, takes away our money and no one likes that, especially, but you don't think of it in terms of loss of freedom but when you understand it the process of taxation the very process is the government taking away our property our money that we acquired lawfully and removing from us the total power to decide how that money is spent taxation If you think of it this way, you'll understand its effect upon freedom. Taxation is nothing other than a government saying, property which starts off being yours, you have no control over how that money is spent whatsoever. You give it to us, and we, the government, will decide how your money is to be spent. If you think of it in those terms, you understand what a profound loss of freedom it is. Think of it like the government comes one day in a uniform with a gun and says, We're taking your car. We're taking your car because we need to use your car for a public purpose, which is more beneficial to society than your private use. Just imagine that, and the muskets would come out of the barn. Well, that's what taxation looks like. It is simply the total deprivation of freedom to use your property as you see fit. And that's one of the reasons that California and New York and Hawaii uh, reached the 48, 49, and 50. New Jersey is right behind them in low freedom states because of the extreme deprivation of freedom and dominion over our property. And right behind it, Craig, to show you another way that the deprivation of freedom actually looks, is in this subject I've talked about on my show quite a bit, called Occupational Licensing. In California, there are about 900 activities which you cannot to earn a living without a license. License is a despicable word, in my opinion. License means permission, which means, Craig, if I, if you would like me to paint your house, and I offer to paint your house for a certain price, and you say, I've seen your work, Bob, it's good work, and the price is just right, and I say, Craig, I'd be honored to paint your house, you and I shake hands, in a mutually beneficial exchange with no coercion and no fraud, well, that might very well be against the law unless I have a painter's license, which means unless I have permission from a bureaucrat to paint your house, I am prohibited from doing so. It is a word that I have grown to despise. And there is another example of the loss of freedom. In this case, you are not free to hire me. I am not free to accept the assignment. Both of us agree it's in our best interest, but a government who has never met either one of us decides, no, you are prohibited from doing that exchange. What can be less American than the right to earn an honest living Without fraud, without misrepresentation, two people agree it's a good deal for both, and yet we can't do it. And California leads the country in the number of activities that require a license. Yes, it starts with medicine and law and stuff like that, but it drills down to things like interior decorating and as And being a florist. In many states, being a florist requires a license so we can protect the public from bad roses and stuff like that. <laughs> so that's another example of what the loss of freedom looks like and why some states do so badly. On a freedom
2: index.
1: Every time I step into the uh, barber's chair, which at this age is uh, less and less frequent, <laughs> I, I'm always amused at the cosmetology license, and I'm thinking they actually had to go to school to be able to learn how to answer questions on exam to get a license so that they could pick up. A pair of hedge tr- miniature hedge trimmers and uh, and lower my ears by a couple of inches and it just has never ceased to amaze me. The degree to which states like California have so actively engaged in over regulation in industry and in trade, all of this of course, in the guise of you know protecting the public and things of this sort, like we 're all walking around. Worried about the consequences of a bad haircut should we go to a barber that isn't appropriately licensed. Bob Zadek unpacks these issues uh, to a greater degree on a weekly basis and, of course, really drills down into topics that uh, that go to the heart of the threat to your personal freedom and liberty and, most importantly, gives you insights as to what you can and should be doing Protect those freedoms and liberties. We invite you to check out the Bob Zadek show. Comes your way Sunday mornings, 8 o'clock on 8:60 a.m. The Answer, our sister station here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, again, you can get more details about Bob's program and other resources available to you through his website at bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. Closing thought on this topic before we take a time out. Do you know, ironically, the one state that tends to have the reputation, um, or at least seems to, uh, in a very boisterous fashion, promote the notion that it's one of the freest states in the Union? I bet you could guess Texas. Yeah, Texas actually ranks one of the lowest states when it comes to real freedom. Interesting to note. Bob Zedek, we appreciate the time. We'll check out the program again, and um, Sunday mornings at eight o'clock on 860 AM, The Answer. All right, you're in tune with on 1100 speakers and the.